Welcome, and thank you for joining us for Simple Truths, the podcast of Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. Today, we will dive into God's Word to seek simple truths for everyday life. Let's join Pastor Josh Dixon for today's Simple Truth. Turn your Bibles, if you would, please, to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1 in your scriptures this morning. John chapter 1, look at verse 1 if you would. We'll read down through about verse 18 if you'll follow along. Verse 1, chapter 1, the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, notice that's capital W, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made, verse 3, by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, boy, what a statement, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. Notice that capital L. That all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Somebody ought to say amen to that truth. Verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word, you see it again, capital W, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared him. A wonderful passage, amen? One of my favorites from the Gospel of John here, chapter 1. We have for the last several weeks, investigated the meaning of the different names of Jesus. None of them likely have been new to you. None of them have have likely shocked uh, you. We have discovered the name of Jesus concerning He is our Savior. Uh, One week we looked at Him concerning the Lamb of God, capital L, the Lamb of God. We looked uh, last week at the fact that He is our Lord, the Lordship of Christ. I hope that these have helped you to, to maybe broaden your view of who Jesus is in your own life, giving you a better uh, description, a better understanding of who Christ desires to be to you personally. Today we're going to discover how to better trust in Jesus, the Word of God. Even when life doesn't make sense, you can trust Jesus. Somebody say amen to that. Even when life isn't fair, how can we do that? Why should we do that? How or why should we trust in Christ? I say to you this morning very boldly, he can reverse circumstances that seem irreversible, can he? He truly answers prayer. We've already highlighted that this morning in this service. God is working through Christ in our life to hear us and to answer our prayer. We can make sense out of life when nothing seems to add up through Jesus. And I could prove that to you very quickly by recalling our time last Sunday evening, the woman with the issue of blood. She touched the very hem of Jesus' garment and her circumstances completely changed. Somebody ought to say amen to that. 
Later in that text, a little girl came back to life because Jesus called her from death. I think about Lazarus. He called Lazarus from the, from the tomb, from the grave to come forth. He said, our friend Lazarus in John chapter 11 sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. The gospel of John is an easy and straightforward read. It's usually one of the first ones that, that we point or encourage new believers, new Christians to read because it is so straightforward. It is so easy to understand. John the Beloved, as he is termed and titled, gives us a perfect portrait of his Savior within the chapters of this fourth gospel. Within this opening text, we learn just who Jesus really is. You see, this, this gospel is not just the life and times of Christ here on earth, but it, it gives or provides us an important doctrine, especially in chapter 1 here, about our Savior. One of the biggest things in my lifetime, and, and true of some of yours, that has undermined the truth that John speaks of is the theory of evolution. It has almost in our day and time become a commonplace belief among people about the origins of everything that we currently physically see and touch and have at our disposal. More importantly, it robs Jesus. Evolution or the teaching of evolution robs Jesus of who he really is in the minds and hearts of his own creation. You don't think that, Jesus, that the enemy knows that? You don't think that the enemy knows he's robbing us of our understanding of Jesus when, when evolution is promoted before us? Evolution, Tony Evans says, quote, is a system that says nothing plus nothing over enough time has produced everything, end quote. Is a belief system that denies the truth of God. Please testify to that this morning. The name Word, capital W, in which Jesus is referred to in this chapter, the first chapter of John, is crucial to defeat worldviews like that of evolution and properly allow us to trust him for who he truly is. Let me give you a few thoughts this morning. Number one, if you're keeping notes, the word is God's voice. Capital W, the word, speaking of Jesus, is God's voice. This name for Christ shows up only four times. If you're keeping notes, this is a good one. It only shows up four times in the New Testament as a name. Here in chapter 1, also in chapter 14, and 1 John chapter 1, as well as Revelation chapter 19. It's only used by John. He's the only one that uses this name for Jesus. We learn a couple things from this title. First of all, Jesus is preexistent. John wastes no time in the opening of his book to inform us that Jesus is worthy of eternal trust because he's eternal. He's not like us. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Verse 1 of our text, if you'll glance at it, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Noteworthy fact is that these words, this statement, is a repetition of the opening words of the Bible itself. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning. When time itself began, the Word, capital W, Jesus, was already in existence. He's not a created being. As we learned uh, that truth when we were studying his name as Lord, he is God. It only makes sense to be the fitting sacrifice for the cross. He had to be sinless. As we have discovered, he had to be truly the Lamb of God to overcome death. Not only his, but several throughout, as we've already said in introduction, throughout his earthly ministry. And to have the future reign that God said he would have, listen, he has to be God. 
John even says in the text, and the word was God. He is teaching us about the identity of our God, the triune existence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I say to you this morning, under this first thought or this first point, Jesus has something to say. He has something to say to you. The very concept of of word or the thought of him being the word suggests communication, doesn't it? It suggests information, God relaying information specifically to us through God the Son. The Nelson KJV Bible Commentary says, quote, words reveal the thoughts of one person to another. Christ as the eternal word is a revelation of God to man, end quote. What is the Bible? Aren't you thankful for the word of God? Or say, aren't you thankful for the scripture? Yes, the truth, the truth of God to each and every one of us. What is the scripture? What is the Bible? It is God speaking Jesus into your life. Think about that for just a moment. The thing that we just held up, the thing that we just highlighted, the thing that is lying in your lap, the thing that you're holding in your physical hands is Jesus speaking in to your life. What a thought. Go with me if you have your Bible open to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4 to a familiar old text. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, one that you probably could quote. Let's just look at it this morning and be reminded of what it says concerning the Scripture, concerning the Bible. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What is the Bible? It is Jesus to your life. It is Jesus to your heart and to your mind. It is understanding. And Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 concerning the scripture itself says that it is quick. What does that mean? It means that the word of God, the scripture, the thing that is lying in your lap, the thing that John says, capital W, the word of God, Jesus, this is alive. It's quick. Chapter 4 verse 12 of Hebrews says that it is powerful. This desires to do a work, a powerful work in your heart and mind, in your life. Verse 12 of chapter 4 says that this thing gets quick to the point. It gets right to the point. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts right to the point of your heart and your life as well. I like this one. It's personal. It's a discerner of your thoughts. Think about that for just a moment. If all of this is true that we are saying this morning, and it is, Jesus is speaking into your life. Listen to this. Knowing what you need to hear. He's a discerner of your thoughts and your heart. You know, the people that know you best know what you need to hear. Mercy. The people that know you best smack your hand and say, you don't need another donut. Seriously, you've got a problem. (laughs) The people that know you best kick you in the middle of the night and say, hey, you're snoring. I can't sleep. Huh? Yeah. The people that know you best know exactly what you need to hear. I'm thankful for that truth about the Word of God, aren't you? It's a discerner of our thoughts and our mind. God is speaking into our life, oh mercy, knowing what we need to hear, knowing what we need to understand. John Barth said, quote, the Bible is not man's word about God, but God's word about man, end quote. I ask you this morning, what's he saying to you? What is Jesus speaking into your heart and into your mind this morning? 
Believer, he has much to say to you. He's speaking into you in the way of, of, of truth, the, the way of the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to you in the way of the fruit of the Spirit. He's developing those characteristics and attributes of, of himself in you through the Holy Spirit. He's saying much to you, believer, this morning about opportunity. He's opening avenues of opportunity all around you. He's showing you ways of, of conversation. He's showing you ways of, of sharing the truth that you have already accepted and believed with someone else. Somebody ought to say amen. Yesterday morning, I love it when God moves and works in ways that we don't expect him to. Anybody else with me on that? Yesterday morning, one of my friends asked if, if me and the boys could, could come and help him. He has a small herd of cows, and he had the vet coming, and he was doing some vaccinations, and he was palpating those cows, seeing how far along they were. And so we agreed to come and help. And uh, as we, we got there, I mean, you know how cold it was yesterday, my goodness. Uh, we were very quick to get to work, and as we were sorting and moving those cows and pinning them and running them in the chute, and the vet was, was doing his, his thing, we got finished uh, fairly quickly, and, and the vet uh, left, and he said, well, boys, what do you think about breakfast? What do you mean, what do I think? I thought that was a given, right? I just worked for you, man. Absolutely, breakfast. Let's go. He said, well, there's a little diner down the road. Let's, let's, go, to, let's go to breakfast. We were all cold and, and smelled like cows, and so uh, perfect time to eat, right? <clears throat> so as we were driving to, uh, to the uh, uh, diner, we were, we were just having just conversation, and, and we were talking, and I was literally telling him about uh, another acquaintance that God has, has kind of brought into my life and how this acquaintance has started to come to church because I've been working on my friend. And I've been telling him, I was kind of telling him as we were riding along through the country about how, how this other individual, who I think they would really connect and, and really get along well, how this guy's been coming to church and, and, and kind of telling him the story a little bit. And so as we pull into the diner, we get out, stomp our boots off, try to clean them up in the snow the best we could. And so we walk in and sit down in a booth, and as we sat down, I looked over, and guess who's sitting across the diner? The guy that I had been talking about. I looked over, and I was in, I was in my coveralls, I had a hat on, I was totally undercover, an undercover brother. I looked over, he made eye contact with me, and he was eating his breakfast, and they were just kind of chumming around there, you know how it is, kind of chewing the fat, right? Several of them sitting there drinking coffee. He looked over and kind of caught eye contact with me, gave me kind of a double look like, hmm, I know that guy, but I don't know who that guy really is. And then he looked back over. He finished his breakfast. He brought a chair over and scooted up to the table. And I said to my friend, remember that guy I was telling you about? This is him. And I said, I said, hey, I, I didn't see you at church last week. And he said, I know I missed last week, but I'm not missing tomorrow, preacher. I'll be there tomorrow. And I said, well, I've been trying to get so-and-so here to come to church. I love it when God does this kind of stuff, don't you? He looks at him and he said, you know, he worked on me for about a year. He said, the best thing that you could possibly do is just give up and come. <laughs> he said this, it gets better, hold on. He said, it hasn't fallen in yet on me and I know me. If that place was gonna cave in, it should have already done it. I'm pretty sure you're safe. What's God saying to you? He has a way of working and connecting dots. As I tell that story, you liken unto it, you laugh, you clap and give God praise because you see him do those things in your own life. What's God saying? What's God saying to you? I sat back. I folded my hands, sipped on a little bit of coffee, and just let, let God take it from there. My work here is finished, Lord. Speak unto your people. He's saying something to you this morning. Christian, he has something to say to you about opportunity. 
about living a holy life, a separated life from the world. He has something to say to you about his promises, how that you have the ability to stand on the foundation of him, the foundation of Jesus. He's reminding some of you this morning because you're up against some circumstances. He's reminding some of you believers this morning that you can stand on him and you can stand there assuredly, trusting him for what he has said to you, no matter what valley you're heading down into. He's saying those things to believers, but some of you are here this morning and you're not a believer. You've not trusted Christ as your Savior. You've not sought Him for His forgiveness. You're uncertain that if your life were to end today, you would have heaven as your eternal home. The question is not, what is He saying to you? The question really for you is, when will you answer? He's calling for you to be saved, and He's calling for you to be saved today. He's asking you and pleading for you to accept the forgiveness that He is so willingly providing for you. The question is not, what is He saying to you? It's very clear. The question about, uh, for you is, when will you give in? When will you answer him? Number two this morning, the word gives life. Think about this truth. You and I do not have the power, the ability to speak anything into existence. We cannot say to anything in the way of power, in the way of strength, that we want this to happen and it automatically happens. We cannot say, uh, Lord, I desire on my lap currently a plate with a 16-ounce T-bone, medium well, with a side of mashed potatoes, baptized in gravy, with a glass of sweet tea, light on the sugar. We can wish that. We can pray for that. We can desire that. But we can't speak that into existence. We can say that we want that and then go home and grill a steak and whip up some mashed potatoes and pour the gravy from a pitcher straight into our gullet. But we can't speak it into existence. Only God, only Jesus has that power. And John proves that truth to us. Creation is crucial to the word, capital W, because it's life. John informs us that when God spoke in Genesis, it was through Jesus. Verse 3 of our text says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. This establishes Christ as the subject of creation and not, not the object of creation. He was the creator, not the created William Hendrickson said, quote, apart from him, not a single thing that exists came into being. He is the giver of life, isn't he? Turn with me if you have your text here in John chapter 1. Hold it with maybe a ribbon or a bookmark or your finger. And let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Look at verse 7, if you would, please. Genesis 2, 7. He is the giver of life. When Adam took his first breath, it was Jesus that breathed into his nostrils. Chapter 2, verse 7, notice what it says. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became, say it out loud, a living soul. It was Jesus, John tells us. It was Jesus that breathed life into the lungs of Adam. It only makes sense that he wants to provide you with eternal life today in a personal relationship with him. He is life. Verse 4 of our home text in John chapter 1 reminds or teaches us that. He is life and the enemy is death. Verse 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Creation is crucial to the word because it's powerful. One thing that is imperative to understand about the power of the word, capital W, is that verse 4 says, in him was life. Life is not from him or through him or by him, but life is in him. 
This is talking or referring to spiritual life, pointing to eternity. John uses the word life 54 times in his gospel, if you're keeping notes, and in the first epistle of John, to point us to the meaning of life itself. He's not talking just about physical life. He's mainly talking about spiritual life. Jesus, the Word, has the power to be the light, to reach and and illuminate every one of us, to dispel darkness from us. Verse 4 and verse 5 of our home text says, verse 5 says, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Number three, the Word provides substance. Now that we understand Jesus is the creator, let's verify the purpose of his creation. And Colossians chapter 1 will help us to do that. That's a verse that we have referenced a couple times in this study of the names of Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 specifically, it says this, For by him were all things created, we know that truth, don't we, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Look at this last statement. All things were created by him, say the ending of the verse, and for him. Your original purpose is found in your manufacturer. We can be lulled by the enemy and by our flesh into thinking that we have found happiness apart from the things of God, but someday all things will be melted away to the bleak truth, our original purpose. Our original purpose, according to that text of chapter 1, verse 16 of the book of Colossians, is that we were created by him, we've established that. But now, we must understand, we're created for him, for his use, and for his purpose. And that, my friend, is where we'll find the substance of life itself. And I want to say to you this morning, that includes you. No matter who you are, what you've done, or where you've been in life, that includes you. Every aspect of who you are is to find substance or to find meaning in the Word of God, meaning Jesus. Let me break that down for you this morning, mentally. Your mental health, we've been studying this on Sunday evenings, if you've not been a part of that. Your mental health depends upon Jesus. We hear a lot about that. We even explain a lot of things away today by blaming it on mental health, don't we? We blame a lot of the problems and issues of our society today upon our mental health. And my my question would be, just like yours in common sense and common faith would be, so what are we going to do about mental health? Well, the answer is very simple. The world just doesn't want to hear it. The solution is very simple. It's the Word of God. It's Jesus. Your mental health depends upon Jesus. Your physical body, using your health. Your health is a blessing. Please say amen to that. The talent that you have. We prayed that this morning as a staff right here as we knelt together. God, use the talent that you have placed in us. It's not our ability, but use the talent that you have placed in us today for your glory. Yeah, emotionally. Finding balance in your emotions. Not riding the roller coaster. And we can, we can very easily uh, take a ride on the roller coaster of life in the way of our emotions. And we can find ourselves, listen, we can find ourselves being up and down and all over the place. And in a very short period of time, just finding ourselves taking twists and turns in the way of our emotions. God wants us to find balance in that. Yes, it's true. You're going to uh, be happy. It's true. You're going to be sad. It's true that you're going to be angry. And anger is not a sin as long as you don't let it get out of control. You're going to experience all kinds of emotions in life. But the important thing here in Jesus, he wants you to find balance in that. I believe that there's something to be said, and I might challenge you on that. There's something to be said in the way of balance concerning Jesus's earthly ministry. He felt anger. You think he was happy when he was in the temple turning over the tables? (laughs) 
We know that he didn't sin. See, he didn't sin. But he did get angry. Your memory verse for today, Jesus wept. Huh? That was a joke. Never mind. Why did he weep? It's proof that Lazarus was truly dead. He was sorrowful that, that Lazarus had died. He was sorrowful for those that were around him. Lazarus's sisters, he was sorrowful that they were emotionally distraught. He knew what emotion was, but he being the son of God had balance at all points of his earthly life. And we can find that balance. Somebody, please say amen to that. But spiritually too, our relationship with him, there's only so much that we can provide for one another. We have to depend on him in our spiritual uh, relationship, finding this balance in, in everything that he has, has put into the way of, of your life, finding the substance, not understanding that, that he made us, but also understanding that he made us for him, for his use. And then number four, the word is worthy of your trust. Back in our home text of John chapter 1, verse 14, probably the verse that you know by heart from this text. Verse 14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. These verses all the way down through verse 18 provide a, a place for your trust, no matter what life throws at you. Let me give you a couple closing thoughts concerning this worthiness of Jesus in the way of your trust. First of all, he dwelt among us, John says. The first part of verse 14, these words, speaking of taking upon flesh, speak of, of pitching a tent. It's a reference to the tabernacle of the Old Testament, the tent Israel used in the wilderness for the worship of God. It was a temporary dwelling. That's why this flesh is, or that's what this flesh, excuse me, that's what this flesh is, is meant to be. It's only meant to be temporary. Somebody ought to testify to that. Some of the woes that we have in our flesh, in our physical body, we ought to take great pleasure and great blessing in the fact that this is an on, only a temporary dwelling place, isn't it? But some of us, however, it seems that we have been confused upon that truth. It seems that some of us are trying to make permanent dwelling. Permanent dwelling in the world. Permanent dwelling in the flesh. The things that, that are meant to be temporal, we're taking great pleasure in those things and trying to almost... Uh, take some of the spiritual blessings that God intended for our soul, for our relationship with Him. We're trying to, to milk some of those things out of, out of the temporary things of life. Does that make sense to anyone? The Word became flesh. Jesus became flesh to show or to prove that there is more. There's more to life, speaking of spirituality. And then the second thing here is, He was the only begotten, verse 14 says in the latter part of the verse. Only begotten means unique, one of a kind. The reason you want to embrace the loving ability of Christ and his willingness to forgive and to save you is because he is the only begotten. He's unique. He's one of a kind. I've used this word several times this morning. He's personal to you. All of the things that challenge our trust in him are not of him, but of the flesh. And John tells us that he overcame, somebody ought to say amen, the flesh. What is it this morning that the Word of God is speaking or saying to you? What's He asking of you in faith this morning? What's He asking you to accept in the way of understanding? It's likely that someone in here this morning or someone through our live stream is hearing these truths for the very first time. What's Jesus asking of you to accept of Him today? Maybe He's asking you to accept that He's the only begotten. You cannot be saved in or through anything else other than Jesus. Maybe he's asking you to accept that truth today. You can't save yourself. 
You're a sinner just like every one of us. You can't live a good enough life to measure up. You can't do enough good to outweigh your bad. It doesn't work like that. He's the only begotten. He's the only one. He's unique. He's one of a kind. He's the only Savior. The Word of God. He's asking maybe you today to accept that truth. Listen, I don't know about you, but I come here on a weekly basis. I come here on a Sunday morning. I return on a Sunday evening. And I come on a Wednesday. Not because I have to. My, my end of this is a little different than you. Not because I get paid to. I come here because I want to hear from God. This is where God speaks to my heart and to my soul. What's he saying to you today? Some of you, you've been saved, but you've not been baptized. He's speaking obedience into your relationship with him. Some of you have been visiting for a long time. You've not joined the church. You have questions about that. Maybe you don't understand that. You don't even know or understand the process of that. He's speaking into you today unity, usefulness, purpose in the way of the local church. Some of you today are far from him. You've been saved, but your fellowship has been broken by sin. He's speaking into you today, and he's calling you home. He's beckoning you to come back home, to a homecoming. I'm thankful for this truth. He will accept you with open arms. If you seek his forgiveness today, you're willing to confess your sin. Some of you today, as we spoke, you're not saved. If you were to die today, you'd split hell wide open, just saying it the way that it is. He's calling on you today. You feel him. You hear him. That's not me beckoning to you. That's God. That's God. My question to all of us is, number one, will you answer? Number two, how will you answer? God's calling upon some of your hearts today. And if you don't answer, no one will. Listen, no one else can. I see some of you today, and I know you well enough, and please don't take, please don't judge me by this statement. I know what he's saying to you. In my discernment, as I look across the, the, the audience, the crowd this morning, I know what he's saying to some of you. There's some of you in here this morning that need to be saved. I can't answer for you. If I could, I would have done that weeks ago. Some of you this morning, he's speaking obedience into your heart and into your mind. I can't answer that for you. You can't let the heavenly phone ring and ring and ring, expecting someone else to answer it. It's your responsibility. Will you answer? What will you say? Thank you for joining us today for Simple Truths. If you would like to accept Christ as your Savior, Or if you have questions, please give us a call at 937-383-1122. Or check us out on the web at bbcwilmington.org. Simple Truths is a podcast sponsored by Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. We hope you have a great day, and may God bless you.